Stand by for the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. A Medicare podcast for the ages. He never tires of exciting insurance chat. Medicare expert Doug Jones. Well, hello, everybody. This is, uh, as my Canadian nephew, Drew McMillan, may have told you, this is Doug Jones, your Medicare expert for today and probably for the rest of the week. I want to welcome you to another exciting, thrill-packed episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. And generally speaking, I am going to encourage you to purchase my book, but I'm going to abbreviate my opening remarks, and that's going to be a, a fun thing to uh for the regular listeners. Oh, good. We don't have to hear Doug yakking all the time, but I am uh, in a precarious position today. Not only do I have Randy Carson uh, in charge of the uh, mechanicals of this podcast, Randy, say hello. He's forgotten how to push the button that allows his mic to. Which which button was it I pushed, Doug? Yeah, there you go. So Randy is in charge of the uh, technical aspects of the podcast, and I've got another Randy in here who is a good friend of mine, basically uh, dating back to high school, Randy Norris. So we've got Randy's all over the place, and I am i couldn't be happier to have them both in the studio. You know, say hello, Randy Norris. Hey, Doug. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being head. Yeah. <laughs> Randy is our, our guest for some social events that we attended, and he is uh, also, he has an interesting medical history that might be instructive for people approaching Medicare or people that are, uh, you know, already on Medicare. It's an unfortunate set of circumstances, but modern medical science turns it from a, uh, a scary, uh, life-threatening consideration and into uh, basically a full recovery. Yeah, Doug, first of all, I want to thank you for opening up the Jones bed and breakfast again for me. He hasn't seen the bill yet. Yeah. Okay. I didn't have to open up our house for three days when we came out here. But um, no, I had a pretty experience with the heart situation, which was, I'd like to tell other people, I got a frog in my throat naturally, of course, but excuse me. But um, yeah, about three years ago, two and a half, three years ago, I started having uh, something showed up on one of my stress tests, normal physical, and they thought there might be some blockage. So I went and got an angiogram. Did you, was that stress test physical where you ran on a treadmill or was no, it the chemical? It was, it was the chemical ones. Okay. The chemical ones. Yeah. And uh, they looked at my weight, I guess, and how bad shape I was. So they said, I'm not putting you on a treadmill. So anyway. Yeah. Well, I, I told them I was too old for a treadmill and they gave me a chemical one. But anyway, they, uh, they did the angio gram and the doctor when i got done you're kind of awake during it's no big deal but he said yeah i could hear him ask the nurse for a certain size stent so he put a stent in and he said you're good to go so i thought okay fine so then about two years later uh which was last beginning of last year i started seeing and feeling shortness of breath you know when i'd run up the stairs which i never ran but maybe just walking up the stairs or had to walk long distances i was kind of out of breath uh, and occasionally I get lightheaded and then I also started feeling pressure on my chest. And I think that's the hardest thing about that I had about people saying you had heart problems. You know, when they always say you have a heart attack or heart, you get severe pains. Right. I never really had any severe pains. Uh-huh. 
it was more like somebody pushing on my chest, you know? So anyway. And went, and if you sat down or whatever for a couple of minutes, did it go away right away or did it yeah, last for a while? It did, yeah. And or you didn't notice it as much if you were not doing anything. But um, so I went to a cardiologist in St. Charles, Illinois, and then I knew I was coming out here to Arizona shortly after that to the cardiologist put the stent in and she told me, yeah, you need to have it looked at again, but why don't you just wait until you get to Arizona? When I got to Arizona, the cardiologist says, yeah, let's do an angiogram. And so he was doing the angiogram and it was kind of over pretty quick. And I said, well, how many stents you put in? He goes, I didn't put me in. He needed bypass surgery. Uh-huh. I go, excuse me? And he goes, yes, you need bypass surgery. Yeah, nobody wants to hear that, do yeah. they? So I go, okay, fine. So scheduled bypass surgery and... um you know, you're a little scared, naturally. You know, you think about somebody open up your chest. I mean, they break your chest bone open and spread it open. Yeah. That's what they call cracking your chest. Cracking the chest, yes. So <clears throat> it was probably the worst five days of my life in the hospital. But it was my own fault for a couple of reasons. Number one, all I'm going to tell you is that when you go to a hospital, make sure that they're giving you the medications you're on. Because sometimes they don't give you all the medications that you're on. Well, I suffered a severe withdrawal from Xanax. I take Xanax once a night to sleep. It's prescribed by a doctor, and the prescription reads um, to take in the evening for sleep if needed. But my doctor's been giving it to me for 10 years, so it's not like he knows I don't take it every day. Right. You know. So anyway, they didn't give me that. And the other thing, was that because they didn't know that you were taking it, or I think they looked at the script. I gave him my meds and i think they looked at the script and and that the drugstore had or wherever you know they checked the medical records and it said take as needed okay so they didn't know i took it every day and i'm going to speculate those evil bastards that run hospitals enjoy waking patients up all the time Mm -hmm. so maybe that was just like a a planned uh (laughs) yeah because you don't sleep in a hospital anyway no that was like i never slept hardly a, a week in the hospital but anyway and the other problem was i was a heavy drinker and uh so having no alcohol, I think I actually went through alcohol withdrawal. Ah. I went through Xanax withdrawal, which is terrible. And I actually was hallucinating. Wow. So it was a miserable, it was a miserable days in the hospital until they figured it out. What was I figured out that it was Xanax and they put me back on Xanax and I was kind of okay the last couple of days. But the procedure itself was fine. Okay. There was no pain when they when I came out of recovery in the chest area here. You know, yeah. Um, the only physical pain I had was my leg where they took the veins out. Right. That hurt worse than cracking my chest open. So, and then the recovery was pretty simple. You know, you just had to be a little easy and you had to not cough. I mean, they gave you this heart pillow. Okay. You, you hug it. You hug it, carry yeah. it around, and you have to be careful how you push yourself off the toilet and bed and that kind of stuff. Right. You know? For how long did that last? That lasts probably about four weeks. Now, let me back up to the veins, taking the yeah. veins out of your legs. Um, is there a possibility that they wouldn't have been able to use veins, and did they have a uh, like a pig vein or something synthetic? else? I don't know if they do. I know they have synthetic uh, pig valves and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I have a partner that was in my ribbon business with me. Uh, he just had a, a pig valve put in. Okay. So, but uh, now that never came up. I guess they figured they could get it. He, I don't know. He kind of looked at my leg and said, oh, we can get one out of there. So I guess it was no problem. Yeah, well, I they, hope they take one or two. But. I needed one because I had a femoral popliteal bypass in one leg. And they said, we're going to take an unused vein from your other leg. Mm-hmm. But when they got in there, they said it wasn't big enough. Oh, no, they didn't have that problem. So that, that worked out well. Cool. So, I mean, and, and, and I feel a whole lot better. Um, 
I lost some weight too, which has helped. I was helped because I was overweight too, which is was a problem carrying around that extra weight. Yeah. I think that put the extra pressure on my my system. And then the other thing was I was terrible at intake of salt. I salted everything before I even tasted it. If you brought me a dinner plate, that's I was over at Jones's house, I'd grab the salt shaker whether I tasted it or not. Well you'd have to fight me for it. Yeah. After I fought Doug for it, uh we'd sprinkle. I mean that was the first thing Doug and I used to do when we go out to the restaurant. We go look on the table, where's the salt shaker? Absolutely. You know. So you know, I stopped doing that, so that's helped too. So basically, everything went really well. So that's good because it could have gone south on you. Yeah, the worst problem, like I say, was my own the withdrawals from alcohol and Xanax. But other yeah. than that, uh, uh, it was a very good normal procedure. You know, you need to have a doctor that you trust, and I had a good doctor out here that I trusted, and he'd done some uh, surgery on some other friends that we knew, but uh, uh, yeah, so I'm I'm pleased. Well, I'm glad you're with us. Uh, the only commensurate experience i've seen is a couple of years ago my brother-in-law who is about probably 12 or 13 years younger than you and i are is that the one up in canada yeah <laughs> he uh you know big strapping guy a lot of physical activity all the time sports and stuff and hiking and skiing and things like that and he noticed he was getting short of breath too mm-hmm. he didn't mention the pressure on the chest but i didn't ask him for all of his yeah you know specifics and uh, so, and it's Canadian medicine. Well, that's what I was wondering if it was the one that was up in Canada, because I guess that's quite different up there with the. Fortunately lines. for him, he one of his best that's friends okay. is a chiro- not a chiropractor, a, uh, a cardiac cardiac uh, specialist. Oh, okay. And he told the guy, you know, I just uh, I don't have the energy I used to have. I get out of breath and things, kind of like you were describing your symptoms. And uh, Andy um, was given testing on a Friday. And uh, the uh, blockage that it showed was so severe, he was in the hospital being prepped for surgery two days later. Oh, wow. And uh, he says now that it was the best thing he ever did because his, his energy has returned. But right. he said he went through, during the recovery process, he went through a period of time where he was like a blubbering baby. He was very emotional about everything. <laughs> it was uh, a transition that he wasn't prepared for. No, I haven't done that, but I, I have learned to do a few things differently. And like even today, before the podcast here, I went up and walked uh, the highway in Cave Creek because I would never have done that I know. A year ago, I would have never got up. You, you've been here hour. for two or three days, and you've been out marching around the neighborhood. Yeah, it's, uh, so, I mean, I have changed my habits, and I guess it's helped me. So, you know. And uh, the only thing is, you're not uh, you're not as much fun at cocktail time as yeah, you used right. to be. I can be a little boring now, but I still <laughs> try to crack a few jokes and mm. raise somehow. And so that is kind of what happens if somebody has uh, chest pains. They worry about the procedure, but you're saying that with you know proper timing, like get it before it gets too bad. Yeah, that's the best thing is to get it done, really, seriously. I mean, you know, I think it would be a whole lot worse if I had an actual heart attack, you know, oh, and good. damage some of the muscles. This is You're getting it before you damage any of the muscles in your heart. Right. And... uh you feel so much better. You really do. Well, my my all of my male ancestors, every male that was alive when I was born that I'm related to, dropped dead early of heart attack, yeah, except for that, yeah. for one guy. My father was raking leaves in the yard, and so um, I, it was good that they were able to diagnose your problem mm-hmm. and get it corrected before it became fatal. Well, I have a little issue with that too because my father um, had heart issues. He was going to be a lifer in the military, uh-huh. and after uh, he got he got discharged on a medical discharge because he was having heart troubles, I guess, when he was in the service before I was born. Even. And um, but he died when it was like 50 or 48. OK, you know, so of a heart problem. Yeah. And I think the problem was he needed 
needed to bypass, but they didn't have it back in 1960. Right. You know? right. So that was, you know, a whole long time ago. Sure. 60 years ago. So, so, uh, but, uh, so I had a little history, I guess. And so heredity could have been a factor for you. Yeah. And the other thing was that, you know, both my parents, my dad died when I was nine. My mom died of cancer when I was 16. So as a kid growing up, I thought I was going to die before I turned 50. Yeah. So I didn't take care of myself through my adult life. You know, I drank and ate and partied and did some stupid things. And then I didn't realize that, oh, wait a minute, my grandfather on my mom's side lived to be 96 with one of my best friends. I'm going, maybe I got his genes and not my parents. So, so anyway, yeah. So I guess what I'm trying to tell you is take care of yourself. You never know how long you're going. Well, yeah, Mary's got a friend who basically his parents both, well, his father died and his brother died prematurely. And so he's lived his whole life thinking that he was going to croak any day now. Yeah. And he might have accomplished a lot more. He might have had more fun. Yeah, I wish somebody would have slapped me around years ago and and and, and said, hey, you're yourself. It has nothing to do with your history. Just live your life. You yeah, the history is only a part of what's going to happen to you Yeah, or the, the heredity. Yeah, and then I had a sister that died at a young age of uh, Alzheimer's. Yeah, and uh, so I always, you know, worried about that too. But yeah, now how old was she, and when did how old was she when the symptoms started appearing? In the mid mid to late fifties. Okay, and she died when she was sixty. But um, and it wasn't so much the memory part as it was the fact that her body forgot how to function. Okay, you know, she forgot how to talk. Yeah. That was the first sign. She couldn't, you know, when I'd go see her, you know, she'd recognize me, but she'd go, uh, you know, she couldn't say Randy. Right. And then I think her body was just shutting down and it forgot to swallow or her heart forgot to pump occasionally, you know, so it was just her body completely shut right. down. Right. The brain wasn't telling the organs how to operate. Yeah. You know? so, so that was kind of a sad thing. But oh, so, Absolutely. And then my other sister that's living, she and I, you know, both looked at each other and said, you know, I guess you can have a test to see if you have that certain gene or something. Yep. And again, we both looked at each other and said, I don't want to know. Because if you know, if you got that gene, then you're thinking, okay, what's going to happen today or tomorrow? You know, right. I'd rather just take a chance and see what happens. And so you're in your mid-70s and doing great. Yeah. How, how about your sister? She's doing fine, too. Good. I, my other sister is, is four years older, three years older than I am, and she's doing fine and uh, living a normal life. And probably little reason to be concerned. Yeah. Yeah. And, so yeah, I think I'm off the hook on that one. Yeah, that Alzheimer's thing. My wife couldn't tell you that I got a good no because uh, I never remember and, what she says. Here's a surprise for you. We're going to interview her next. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah. But yeah, Mary's mother had Alzheimer's. Uh, she was diagnosed, I think, in her late 60s or early mm -hmm. 70s. And um, at one point, she stopped eating. It was like her body didn't know how to process food. I, yeah, I think that's part of it, yeah. And so for 10 years, she didn't eat by, she, they had to insert a food tube. Food tube. Yeah. And uh, then the laws changed. So when the food tube fell out, those things have a limited lifespan. Uh, they said, okay, we don't have to replace it, but we do have to try to feed her. Mm -hmm. And Mary said, well, that's fine. Do what you have to do. And so they tried to feed her and she started eating again. Oh, and, uh, you know, after having not eaten anything by mouth for years, all of a sudden her reflexes somehow recovered themselves to that extent. Yeah. And, and my grandmother, uh, sweet little lady, she had uh, Alzheimer's, though. And it was a strange thing. I mean, it was uh, they must call it nighttime Alzheimer's. Um, it's uh, sundowner syndrome. That's what it is, sundowners. Yeah, because she was just the sweetest, always the sweetest. My grandfather and grandmother were also very lovey-dovey. It was embarrassing because I was a kid because they were like holding hands and kissing, you know, in their yeah. 80s. 
was yeah. Give it a rest. Yeah, but um, and she would never. Neither one of them ever said a harsh word to each other. But when she got older, I would. I was going to school down in Florida by him, and my grandfather would call me and says, Randy, I don't know what to do with your grandmother. She's just crazy at night. You know, she, she calls me. She thinks I'm her mother and all this kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And he'd stay up all night to see that she didn't get in trouble. Right. And then he couldn't sleep, so he was, you know, tired. And uh, I, so I go, okay. So I drive over from Tampa to Orlando to go have lunch with her, you know, have them. And she'd be sitting there, hey, Randy, no, good to see you. She'd make me lunch. She's fine in the daytime. And she'd talk about, oh, remember that trip when we took you out to the uh, South Dakota one time? Well, that's like, oh, yeah, you know, she remembered all that stuff. Yeah. But then I'd go back to school, and at night she'd freak out, you know? That's so, weird. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, what you, what'd you call it? Sundowners. Sundowners. Yeah, that's, that's a syndrome. Was. And uh, there's also a thing that my mother went through a couple of times. Uh, it's a, um, uh, when you're in a hospital, uh, not emergency room, but intensive care. Yeah. There's an intensive care syndrome that makes people nutty too. Huh. And it's, uh, I can't tell you whether it's a function of the medicine they're given or whatever, but I would go visit my mother when she was in intensive care at our local hospital in St. Charles. Mm-hmm. And she would tell me that the nurses, um, let a couple of patients die in some other rooms so that they could. Uh, that was a bird that just hit Doug's window. <laughs> yes, but you know Randy's filters are so good that uh, the audience will never know. Oh well, I just want to tell him because I thought it was cool. I'm scared the shit out of me. Yeah, well, <laughs> frankly, that bird is probably as scared as you are. Uh, but anyway, so she would tell me that all these horrible things were happening. The nurses were murdering the patients so they could have a birthday party in one of the empty rooms, and she would try to get me to walk down the hall and look in all the rooms and tell her what's going on and all. That. her well, mind was working overtime at these uh in, insane you know paranoia well, like i say i didn't t- that was the thing i was actually hallucinating when i was after the surgery when i was going through the alcohol and xanax uh-huh. i told joyce some really strange stuff in the morning when she would come into the hospital i told her that these two <clears throat> ethnic type women took me down to have my lung pumped and I was sitting on some high table, and it was just all this weird stuff. You know? Was this in intensive care? No, this was in after Re- the surgery. Okay, no, in the I, hospital. post-op, just, whatever. Yeah, post-op. But the other thing was, I mean, I was literally hallucinating because I thought I was in a – I never went to Vietnam, but I, from pictures I've seen of Vietnam movies, I thought I was in, like, some kind of a hut. Yeah. And, and the, the a hooch. Yeah, and the nurses that were walking down the aisle, I could hear their foot clicking like it was the, the guards were watching me, ah. and everybody was out to get me. Yeah, and ugh, it was like you say, weird. But yeah, I was definitely losing it. Well, I'm glad that went away too, because yep. uh, frankly, you would have been a rough house guest to keep entertained. Yes, I would. Yes, I would. So. <laughs> well, what else should we talk about? Anything else interesting that in your history that? Uh... You should uh, share with the audience. No, I've got so much in Doug. I can't I, tell you where to go. I but, predicted no, I just, that we uh, would have. I'm just happy that I got a great family and uh, uh, my kids are all doing well and healthy. And uh, yeah, we're glad to have your friendship. You've Joyce always had, been. Joyce has put up with me for, let's see, 53 years. And so, you know, I, I give her a lot of credit. Yeah. Because uh, I'm not an easy person to live with, or at least I was. I think you've gotten easier then. since then. Yeah, I think I've. Uh, Finally, it took me a while, but I think I've grown up now at 74. I think I've grown up. Well, you've always been one of the world's nicest guys, so she (laughs) would not ever complain about that. But I guess uh, we have run out of Randy's medical uh, um, history to talk about. And so the only medical history we haven't explored during this episode is Randy Carson's. What's going on with you? I have a better idea, guys. What's that? Did you, did you warn Randy about the fact that I'm I'm known to come up with stuff, you know, crazy questions for people? 
No, I I prefer to let people find that out on their own. Thanks, God. Okay, well here we go. <laughs> He's now, perturbed now you, that I didn't warn him. Now you know, Randy. I've got a question for you. Yes, sir. All right, so here we go, and I'll give you a little bit of a you know lead on to this. I have a list of all the craziest laws in the United States by state. Ah, uh, yes, that are still on the books. Mm. All right, so I am going Randy, to. Ask, Randy doesn't look excited. I was hoping he'd be more excited about this. He's I'm worried. Going to get a report card on this. Get graded. Oh no, that's no, up no, to the no. audience. The audience will grade you. No, this is uh, this is really a lot of fun because Doug just loves it. I I I, used, I call this stump the insurance expert. There you uh, go. So, I, but I'm gonna I'm gonna refocus it just a little bit on stump the other Randy on the podcast. Okay. All right, so here we go. This is a law on the books in Arizona. I'll give you a little bit of history of it. In 19 it's been on the books since 1920. A local dam a, a local dam broke in 1920 and the floodwaters whisked away a rancher's donkey. Now what law was eventually developed and put on the books based on that particular event? Got any ideas? No, the donkey wash or something. I don't know. Uh, this this sounds vaguely familiar. I think it might have come up before. You're not allowed to give a donkey a bath on Sunday or something. You're not it, that far I... off. You're not that far off. Yeah, it's ill. Here. It's I... illegal to store your donkey in a bathtub. Oh, okay. uh, <laughs> okay. All right. and the and the reason for it is that that donkey that got whisked away in 1920 had grown accustomed to sleeping in a bathtub. After working hard to rescue the animal, the town passed a law that prohibits donkeys from sleeping in bathtubs. It is, however, okay for them to stand in one. Well, that's uh, kind of a, a rare distinction. I mean, how in the heck are the authorities going to know whether the without going to look at every bathtub in town whether the law is being violated or not? I know. I know. It's, well, it's a tough job. He could be standing, then all of a sudden sit down by the time the enforcement. Yeah. Yeah, Absol yeah that seems absolutely. like Absolutely. Was that on the Hacienda River where the dam uh, burst? That I, that I don't. It doesn't say. I remember uh, recently finding out that they dammed up the river near Wickenburg, and uh, uh, it that dam burst. It was poorly constructed or something. Mm. Killed a bunch of guys. And I think, that, I wonder if it was the same dam bursting or if other dams have burst. Well, I would like to hope that there was only one event that brought this to uh, fruition as well, a sure. donkey donkey law. Obviously, it donkey solved law. it solved the horrible problem of people keeping donkeys uh, in their sleeping in their bathtubs. Well, I know. Apparently, it had been a big problem. Maybe I have a piece of trivia. I'll keep that with me, and I'll be I'll be a hit at the next party when I when I yes, I absolutely. I've got I've got a thousand of them, Randy. So the, you know, if you need any, I can I'll send try. you a list. The last one we had was uh, I, I picked Oklahoma. He told me, pick your state. I'll uh, tell you what the stupid law is. I said, Oklahoma. And he said, there are no stupid laws, <laughs> but let's go to Kansas, which is bordering Oklahoma. And the law was that you can't uh, catch catfish by hand in Kansas. Oh, you can't go noodling. Can't go noodling. Man. Right. Yeah. And there's, another, and there's another state in the union. I forget which one it is. I'll, I'll probably bring it up with Doug at so, 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 some point in the future. 
So I'm not going to give him too many details, but it's against the law in this particular state, in particular, a town in a particular state to sell donut holes. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> All right. On that note, why don't you uh, <laughs> why don't you uh, tell the audience uh, where to go? All right. Well, let's bring her down. So now Randy will get to see how we go about doing this. So anyway, our 75 cents worth of airtime is over and Doug won't give me any more money for this. So we need to land the plane, bring the train into the station. But before I do, there's a few things I always like to mention. First of all, thank you, Randy, for joining us. I appreciate it. We have a blast having guests on the air and maybe just maybe we'll get you back, and I hope you'll like to do it. So I'll having said- I'll be back. Thank you very much, Randy. All right. Thank, I appreciate, I, I'm looking forward to it. So otherwise, if you want to get a hold of Doug, Doug always wants to hear from his potential clients and his current clients, and he stands up at his email box every morning waiting for something to come in. And if it doesn't, he's Grumpy Doug. Okay, you don't want Grumpy Doug. So anyway, take this down. You can send him an email at dbj at mlmmailbag.com. That's dbj at mlmmailbag.com. Don't forget, Doug is licensed nationwide to help you with your Medicare supplement planning. Check us out on the website at medicareforthelazyman.com. We would appreciate it if you could find a place to give us some reviews. It's all about the numbers on the podcast, on the books, on the website, anywhere. Just give us a review. We would really appreciate it. And But last but not least, thank you for joining us because without you, it's not nearly as much fun as it is with you. You could have been a hundred different places. You weren't. You were spending time with Doug and I and Randy on Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. And I think that's a better choice of time for you to spend. Having said all that, I didn't warn you ahead of time that you needed to keep track of the time on your watch, but you didn't, I'm sure. But just so you know, you have spent about 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy, originally from Oklahoma. No more. He's camped out in the high ground behind Cave Creek, Arizona, Today, I think both the guys on the podcast were doing the same thing, if I remember, camped out in his front porch with Army surplus binoculars watching out for the Medicare Advantage zombies. Well, I want to thank all the Randys in my life and encourage people to go buy Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023. So long, everyone. <laughs>